So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about when God changes your life. And you know, change, as I mentioned earlier, change is just, it's part of life. It's inevitable. You can try to stop it or you can, you know, continue with the technology from the 80s in your car or you can embrace the change that that God is bringing into your life. I wanted to read this. This is kind of interesting. Um, 100 years ago, the average life expectancy for men was, guess, 47 years old. Today, it's 79. Uh, Fuel for cars was only sold in drugstores. Interesting. 14% of homes had a tub, a bathtub. 8% of all homes had a telephone. It's about the same as now, right? Landlines. 8% probably have a landline. (laughs) The speed limit in most cities was 10 miles per hour. The tallest structure in the world was the Eiffel Tower. The average wage in the U.S., this was in 1910, was 22 cents per day. Or per hour. I'm sorry. That was a lie. The average U.S. worker made between $200 and $400 a year. An accountant, $2,000. A dentist, $2,500. A veterinarian, between $1,500 and $4,000. A mechanical engineer could make $5,000 a year. Live in the dream. How many of you wish you could make $5,000 a year? That was like... That's, that's a lot of money. Um, 95% of all births took place at home. 90% of all doctors had no college education. Instead, they attended so-called medical schools, many of which were condemned by the press and the government as substandard. can imagine. <clears throat> Sugar cost four cents a pound. Eggs were 14 cents a dozen. Coffee, this one kills me. Guess how much coffee was? 15 cents a pound. Now it's like $15 a pound. Uh, most women only wash their hair once a month. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Hygiene's so overrated. <laughs> um, they usually used borax or egg yolks as their shampoo. <laughs> Okay, Canada passed a law that prohibited poor people from entering their country for any reason. Any Canadians? Big shout out to our neighbors to the north. Uh, The five leading causes of death were pneumonia, influenza, tuberculosis, diarrhea, heart disease, and stroke. The American flag had 45 stars. The population of Vegas, 30 people. Crossword puzzles, canned beer, and iced tea had never been invented. There was neither a Mother's Day nor a Father's Day. Two out of every ten adults, get this, could not read nor write. Two out of ten. Um, where am I? Six percent of all Americans graduated from high school. Six out of a hundred people were college or high school graduates. Marijuana, heroin, morphine were all available across the over the counter at a local drugstore. Back then, pharmacists said, and I quote, heroin clears the complexion, gives buoyancy to the mind, regulates the stomach, bowels, and is in fact the perfect guardian of health. No wonder they died at 47. 
18% of households had at least one full-time servant or domestic help. How many of you people think we should go back to the good old days? (laughs) 15 cents a pound for coffee. Everybody has their domestic help. And last but not least, there were 230 reported murders in the entire United States of America. 230. I guess when they say reported, that means maybe like there were a lot more that they didn't report. I don't know. But anyway, 230 in the entire U.S. Crazy, huh? So we're talking about change today. Um, you know, there are good changes, obviously, and there are bad changes that take place in our lives. There are changes that seem bad, but then turn into something good. There are voluntary changes, things that we choose to change, and then there are involuntary changes, things that are foist upon us by outside circumstances. Um, Some changes are permanent, and some changes are temporary. Uh, Some are big, and some are just small. Some are simply a, a phone call, and it changes your whole life. You know, but some of them last only a day, Some of them last until you die. So, you know, we're we're kind of in a season of change here at the adventure, and I've been talking with you about this. And and I don't in any way want to minimize your pain or what you may be going through in in your life right now and, and changes that may be taking place. But I really, today... I I want you to understand how much I have been crying out for you and praying for you and asking the Lord what what his heart is to speak to you. And I believe that today the Lord wants to really help navigate through this change with you in hope and in joy and in peace. So what I'm going to do today is I want to share with you several of the verses that, that have been really important to me as I've journeyed in my walk with the Lord. And these verses have, have transformed my life. And I want to say one of, the, one of my main prayers right now for you is that God would increase your love for his word, that he would increase your desire for his word. Because, you know, you know, the Bible is not just like this kind of good book, you know, that you can kind of read and, and maybe learn a little about history or kind of, you know, just kind of a good good idea, way to live a more moral life. No, it is living and active and the Bible is transformative. If you read the Bible and believe what the Bible says, your life will be transformed. I promise you. And I want to say that's why I am so excited about the, the prospect of you learning to devour it and to believe it, to make the decision to believe what the Bible says and not just to read it. Remember, you know, I, I, I quote this one all the time. Don't, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. When you read it and when it says it in the Bible, do what it says, because otherwise it says you'll be deceived if you know it, but yet you refuse to do it. And so as we talk about changes, we talk about things that change. I remember one day Eric got called into his boss's office and and his boss said, "Um, we want to give you a 57% raise. 
I was like, what? So you can imagine our day was changed quite considerably that day. I mean, it was just completely out of the blue. It was complete, a complete surprise. And, and, you know, one of the, I think one of the best changes that has taken place in our lives was when we moved to Utah from the Bay Area. You know, and, and at the time, it seemed horrible to me because I didn't really know anything about Utah, but it's been one of the best changes that God has brought in my life. And, you know, going through bad changes is really, our message today is geared more toward going through, through hard times. Good changes are fun, and good changes are, are um, easier for us than bad changes, or seemingly bad changes. You know, uh, things that can change our, our sudden illness, that can completely change your day or your life. A diagnosis of cancer, um, a death, the death of a loved one. Um, the fires, like what's happening in California now. I mean, they would have never guessed last month that they would be living what they're living right now. Or remember the floods in Texas, or the hurricanes, or the shootings that have been taking place, or people going through financial hardship, or an accident, or a failed relationship. All of these things are changes that are really hard to navigate through. And so today, I just I, I want to encourage you so much with the Word of God and the promises that are in the Word of God. And, and as you hear these verses, I want you to kind of highlight one or two of them that you're going to memorize. Because I can tell you, you know, I, I did a lot of drugs in the past, and um, don't do that. <laughs> and um, I really think that, I, that through memorizing the word, I really believe that God restored my mind. Because it says in, in Romans 12, the renewing of your mind. You know that your mind can be renewed. And, and I don't think that's just a spiritual concept. I really think physically God renewed my mind as I learned to memorize scripture. And, and again, I can't stress enough the importance of it because as you tuck it away in your heart, then when the storms hit or the fires begin to rage in your life or the waters begin to flood over you, you will have something to cling to and hope and peace and joy. And, you know, um, Stephen Furtick is a pastor of a church called Elevation Church. And one of the, this is a quote that he, that he said. I love this quote. It says, you can embrace the change even through the pain when you know the purpose. Isn't that good? You can embrace the change even through the pain when you know the purpose. And the promises of the Lord are always to bless us. Everything that God does is for our blessing and for our benefit, even when we don't understand it. Everything he does. Parents, isn't it annoying when all you want to do is bless your kids and then they disobey? You're like, rats, now I can't bless them because then that would just reinforce their behavior, right? And that's, I think, how God feels about us sometimes. It's like, oh, I just want to bless them because it's contrary to the character of God to to enable our bad behavior and to enable us to continue to sin. It's in his nature to long to bless us and to, to desire to pour out his blessings on us. The Bible says that several times that he, he wants to pour out his blessings on us. 
but our own disobedience keeps him from that. And so as we go through changes, and particularly the changes that are difficult, the Lord's promise is to bless us with hope and to bless us with joy and to bless us with peace. You know, things can change like this. You know that, right? My life changed forever. February uh, 16th, the year 2016. It did change forever, this life. (laughs) Because I had no idea what was going to happen. And that one text changed my life. Hey, babe, I'm in the ER. I'm fine, but changed my life forever. Because it started that process, which ended in my husband going to be with the Lord. You know, and and that was a major, major change in my life. And so I want you to understand I'm not being a hypocrite when I stand up here and talk about the fact that you can still have hope and you can still have peace and you can still have joy even in the midst of trials. I'm not being a hypocrite because it was my... You know, people would ask me after he died, they're like, weren't you mad at the Lord? And, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I said, I understand, you know, everybody's grief is different and you you can't compare. But for me, he was the only source of life that I had. He was the only one who could comfort me in the midst of my despair. So I don't want to be mad at the only one that can offer me peace and hope and joy. And and so I, I think, you know, it's okay to question God, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But you know, those things can just, things can just happen in an instant. And we don't have to understand it to still continue to put our faith in God. We, we don't have to understand all of the implications. And, and I know there are those of us who, we want, it, we want everything all figured out. We want to know in advance, and we want to have an idea of what this means and how this is going to impact me and all that. God is not obligated to explain anything to us, okay? You know, his word says, who are you, oh man, to talk back to God? Or who, who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? None of us. And so I just, I just want you to, to know that what God says about himself is true. Despite how we feel and despite what we think about things. You know, uh, I got a call this last week. I was just going about my day. And how many of you know that you can never count on what you count on happening in your in your day planner. <laughs> it's just like, get up in the morning, you know, put it in your phone or whatever, and just go, that's not going to happen. But so here I was, and I thought, oh, good, I have my day all planned out, and everything's going to happen. And then I get a call from my daughter, mom, my battery's dead. So what are you going to do? It just, I mean, it's a small change. It only affected us for a few hours, but that's something that can just happen, just throw you off course. And in much larger ways, when, when trials and tragedies and trauma happen, we can get thrown off course so easily. And so today I want to talk with you about how to stay on that course and how to believe that God is a God of hope and a God of joy and a God of peace, even in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through. Right now in my life, I'm 
I'm going through a, a, a major change, and it's not that one. <laughs> not the change. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, explain that to your kids on the way home. Um, <clears throat> but I'm, uh, I'm entering into the season of being an empty nester. And I don't want to do it alone, you know? Fortunately, I still have a young lady that, that still lives with me, and so I'm very thankful for that. But um, my season of being a mommy is coming to an end, and I adored and loved being a mom. I mean, I still do, but you know what I'm saying. I, I loved that season of my life. And I'll talk to you a little about later about some breakthroughs that the Lord brought. But you know, I don't know how people do this without the Lord. I don't know how people go through this without the Lord. I've, I've dreaded it since my first baby was born. But things happen. Change is inevitable. And change can happen suddenly. You know, I talked the other night about suddenly. But the Lord wants to speak to us in the midst of change. He wants to walk with us in the midst of change. You know, when you go through hardships, you have a choice. You can either lean into the Lord or you can lean out from him. You can either be mad at him or you can allow him to be your source of comfort. He still speaks to us. You know, there are, there are Bible teachers who teach that... Um, that we can't hear God's voice today, that that passed away, that the only way we can hear God's voice or know God is, is just through the written word of God. But I have a question for you, a logical question. If we're called to enter into a relationship with God, how many of you have had successful relationships with people with whom you couldn't communicate? Well, for a minute, okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> I believe that God still speaks to us by his spirit because he loves us and he wants to engage and he wants to bless us. And I believe that's why it's so important for us to know the Bible, to know that if those, if those thoughts or you, or you think you're hearing God's voice, if it goes contrary to anything in the Bible, I guarantee you it is not the Holy Spirit. But if it is in line with what the Bible has to say about the character of God and, and who God is, then you can be pretty sure that it is the Holy Spirit speaking to whatever your particular situation is. How do you have a relationship with someone that you can't communicate with? So that's just a freebie. So even though we go through changes in our lives, changes happen to us, sometimes we choose them, but even in the midst of all of that, the one thing that I am absolutely so grateful for is turn around and look above that door, above the exit sign, and read that out loud. Ready? Jesus Christ is the same. And yes. Isn't that such a relief? Yeah, we can applaud the Lord on that one. 
he never changes. It says, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He is so good and so gracious, and he's never changed, and he will never, ever change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter what we go through, we can look to him because he is the rock. And today, as we talk about these changes, the most significant change that ever happened was Emmanuel, what Mary talked about, was when the God who had all majesty and all glory and all honor and all power humbled himself and became a little tiny baby. When he came to earth, Emmanuel means God with us. When he, he went from the heavens and it says that he, he put aside, he set aside Everything that he had, all of the benefits of being God Almighty, and he set those aside and humbled himself so that he could live on this earth and he could relate to us and he could live a perfect, sinless life and ultimately go to the cross to pay for us. And then he was resurrected. And you know, there, have you, how many of you have heard of the Shroud of Turin? Have you heard of that? The Shroud of Turin are the... the the clothes that Jesus was buried in after he was crucified. And um, I was talking to someone last night and they said that they had gone to see the, the um, Shroud of Turin and they heard this guy talk about it and he said that it's a receipt. Paid in full. And they said there's no way that anybody could manipulate that or anybody could make that, could fake that thing. That, that Jesus Christ paid in full for the, for the sins that we have done in the past, in the present, and even in our future. Paid in full as he was on the cross. It is finished. It is finished. And that same God came to earth on Christmas. And I want to recognize a fact. I think Arthur mentioned it during worship. You know, we set up our, our expectations for Christmas, don't we? This Christmas is going to be epic. Well, not really all the time. And I remember when I finally came to terms with that, after having had several Christmases where I was like kind of let down and kind of depressed and kind of disappointed. And, you know, it's just never going to be like it was when I was a little kid. And Christmas can be a super painful time. You know, dealing with your family, dealing with your past, dealing with your pain, dealing with a void. Maybe you have a family member that won't be there. Christmas can be a really, really painful, painful time. And yet, you know... It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, sing it. Not necessarily. (laughs) I mean, yes, you know, I give you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. Of course, there's, there's that. But the reality, as we walk on the earth and as we live our lives, Christmas can be really rough. And so... We want to acknowledge that, but there's hope, and there's joy, and there's peace in the Lord. These are the promises that God brought to us, and so today we're going 
we're going to address those things. And, and like I said, I'm going to be sharing with you several scriptures that, I, that have personally been very close to me in these three areas. But think about the changes that came to, to Mary, right? She's just going about her business, and that one conversation radically transformed her life, or Joseph, or the shepherds, or the angels, or the Israelites. Because once Jesus Christ came, once Messiah came, and once they embraced that concept, Messiah just means savior. It means one who saves. How many of us need a savior? How many can't save yourself? You know, like a Dr. Phil, you know, well, how's that working for you? (laughs) You know, trying to save yourself. And I believe that right now in this season, the adventure, I believe that we are pregnant with change. And I believe that the Lord is bringing, is bringing us into a new season. And how many of you uh, understand the principle of childbirth and that when that baby starts to come, there is no stopping it? You know, you can't go, pull! <laughs> Explain that to your kids on the way home. Um, you cannot stop a baby from coming. You can try, and you hear you hear women all the time. No, I can't do this. It's like, well, you don't have a plan B. That's it. And so, what I want to suggest to you is is to whatever the change is, whether it's a subtle thing, whether the Lord's saying, "Hey, I want you to just wake up in the morning and read one verse out of the Bible." or one chapter, or whether it's a major change. Maybe there's something that you've been keeping hidden for years and years, and the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to get this in the light. You need to to tell someone. You need to be set free from this black secret because it's killing you. Maybe it's, maybe it's something minor, maybe it's something major, maybe it's something life-changing. But the Lord is asking us to give in to the process of birth, to allow whatever that change is to be birthed in us. And you know, it says in Isaiah 9, we're going to be talking about hope. God is a God of hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Isaiah 9 I love this promise. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And I know there are those in this room right now, and you're, you're, you're in darkness right now. You're feeling like you can't see clearly. You're either you're, you're in a depression. Or... You're dealing with a spirit of rejection. Or you don't have clarity about something. And the Lord, is, his promise is that even if you're walking in this deep darkness, he wants you to see a great light. It says, for those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. That is a promise of the Lord. So God can turn your grief into hope. I am living proof of this. He can turn your grief into hope. 
Psalm 43. Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall praise him, my salvation in my God. Hope in God. That is the thing that can turn it around for you. Hope in God. I, I, I choose to believe that God is who he says he is. I choose to reject the natural tendency, which is to doubt. The natural tendency is to not believe that God is as good as he says he is, or that he is for us, or that he actually loves us, or that we actually are forgiven. You know, our natural tendency is to doubt. You have to make a conscious effort when you're in despair and in depression and in anxiety and all of these things. You make a conscious choice. Hope in God. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him. My salvation in my God. You need to make that choice to turn it around. You know, it's like you're talking to your soul. You're telling your soul, get up off the couch and do something, <laughs> right? It's like you're commanding your soul, get up and praise him, hope in God. And you can do this. And now, of course, I'm coming out of a season of mourning. So I am not saying that, you know, every time you're sad or anytime you're down about something or anytime you're in any kind of grief that it's wrong. I'm not saying that. But even in the midst of our grief, we need to hope in God. We don't put our hope in ourselves. We don't put our hope in our circumstances. And we certainly don't put our hope in others. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't put my hope in you. (laughs) So we hope in God. We shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. God can turn our despair into hope. Here's one of my favorite passages, and I think I probably quote it every single week, so you've heard me say it, but this is the first passage that Eric and I memorized together, and I strongly recommend that you, that you memorize this particular passage. It's in Romans chapter 5, and it says, We rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And read this together. Hope does not put us to shame. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We can't fabricate love. We can't conjure up love. True love, real love, and pure love only comes through the Holy Spirit of God, who is love. But as we go through our sufferings, because we are going to suffer, we can still rejoice, which means to go back to joy and to, and to, to imagine once again the goodness of God and to know and embrace the character of God rather than going down the path that says, oh, God hates me and God, I'm not good enough and and all these lies because God loves you. God loves you. 
anything else, any other thought that you have about how he thinks about you is a lie from the pit of hell. Literal hell. He is crazy about you. He dances over you. He sings over you. He, he fawns over you. He wants to pour out his blessings on you. He is so crazy about you. But every, everything you hear about God is, oh, he's just this angry, rage-filled God, and he's standing off judging you, saying, you sinner. No. He wants to bless us, but he cannot bless disobedience. So you see that? So it's not his fault if we're not blessed. And I, and I don't mean to, to come across dogmatically on this. I'm just saying the, the pathway to blessing is through obedience. So whatever that little change that he's bringing, just say yes. And see, the thing about God is that when he does speak something or he does put this little seed of something in your heart, it's okay to, to question it. Think about Mary. Mary even, when the angel came to her and said, oh, by the way, I know you're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby, and God is the dad, and so, yay. You're welcome. (laughs) And Mary's like, okay. She put her hope in God. Immediately, my soul rejoices in the Lord. I'm going to magnify God, which means, you know, like a magnifying glass. Make him bigger in my own mind because she's like, okay, I I definitely need to expand my view of God because I'm a virgin and he's making me have a baby. You know, this is like, what? And so she says, okay, I'm good with that, but how can this be? How can this be? (laughs) Like physically impossible. How can this be? So it's okay. It's, It's better to question God and I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth when I say, you know, I, after Eric died, it wasn't like I said, why? Why, God? I don't know. And God doesn't feel obligated to answer the question, why? But for Mary, she's just kind of like, okay, so how can, this, how, is, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel says, well, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And, you know, it's, I mean, there are so many directions you could go with this message, which I can't today, but it's amazing. I mean, one of the things is that his blood was so pure because it was separate. Because the father was God and he's perfect. So the baby was, that was in the womb, his blood was not entangled or intermingled with the mother. It was So his blood, that's why his blood was so precious when it poured out when he was on the cross for your sins and my sins. His blood is precious. And so in the midst of going through your hardship or your trial or whatever it happens to be, it's okay to say, God, I'm not sure. I don't understand what's going on. It is better to question God than to ignore him. When he's speaking something, you don't ignore it. Dive into it. Say, Lord, I'm not sure what you're speaking to me. Show me your will. Show me your ways as I offer myself to you. Just like with Mary, 
You know, she, she offered herself to him as a living sacrifice, and he made his good and acceptable and perfect will known to her. And he wants to do the same for us too, because God is a God who can turn our suffering into hope. The other thing he wants to do is to bring us joy. Nehemiah 8.10, you probably all this know this one. It says, and do not be grieved for, read this together, the joy of the Lord is... That's right. God wants to turn our grief to joy. You know, going through this, what I'm going through right now, and, you know, um, the, the, the big changes in my life, it's... You know, I have to say to myself sometimes out loud, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Luke chapter 2 and 9, it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. This is talking about the shepherds that are just hanging out in the field. And the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring what? great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. The Lord, you know, apparently angels are not the same size as humans. They are massive. So when an angel shows up, you're going to be afraid, which is why angels always have to start every conversation with, don't be afraid, <laughs> which is why, how I feel sometimes when I talk to people, hey, I need to talk to you. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, am I in trouble? So angels are massive and angels are powerful and angels are servants of God. And so when they show up, it's scary. But God wants to reassure them, you don't need to be afraid. So the angel has to tell them, don't be afraid. God wants to turn our fear into joy. You know, the fear of the uncertainty, fear of, of not, un, not knowing what our future holds, fear of not knowing what this thing God is speaking to my heart really means and what the ramifications of it are. God wants to take your fear and turn it into joy because you can trust him. You can trust him. And this is one of my favorite passages. And I go back to this all the time, especially when I'm struggling. And it says, Psalm 51, it says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I remember when I first came to the Lord, I was so giddy. I was so excited. And you know, the Bible says that zeal without knowledge is foolishness. So that was me. <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> Not really. Um, I was so excited and just, I mean, nothing else mattered in my life. Nothing else I was so excited to be forgiven. I was so excited that, that the Lord knew, that, that he knew what I needed. And he, and he just spoke these words of hope and love to me. And I was, I mean, there was nothing holding me back. I was so excited. And I pray that restore to me that, that joy of just being saved, of just being forgiven. You know, we get so used to it. We just take it for granted. Oh yeah, I'm going to heaven. My sins are forgiven. And it's like, no, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. It means let me continue to give myself to you. Let me continue to offer myself to you. God wants to take our lack of faith and turn it into joy. And he wants to give us peace. 
And we sang that in that song. Isaiah 9, 6, a prophecy about Jesus says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Aren't you relieved about that? The government shall be upon his shoulders. Which is why the Bible tells us we need to be praying for our leaders. Not criticizing them, not gossiping about them, not posting things on Facebook about them. Sorry, I'm stepping on some toes, but I have red shoes on, so I can do that. It says, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Yes. Prince of Peace. He wants to give us peace. Can I just have a look? Can I go on a little tirade here? I don't want to sound like Grinch. And I don't want to steal your Christmas, but I do want to ask you this. Who is putting this stress on you during Christmas? Who is putting this standard up that says that you need to do this, 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 this? I read Americans, I think they spend $8.5 billion on Christmas. They spend $150 million just in postage. And a lady came up to me after first service and she goes... Thank you for setting me free from having to send out Christmas cards. (laughs) Now, I like all that stuff, and if you enjoy that, go for it. But if it's stressing you out, don't. Whose standard is it that you're trying to live up to? You know, there is the spirit of Pharaoh, especially over Utah. The spirit of the Pharaoh says this, you need to do more with less. You need to do more with less money. You need to do more with less time with less talent for that particular thing. Whoever is putting this stress on you and this burden, that's the opposite of what Jesus wants for you for Christmas. How would you like it if you knew that someone was going to be throwing you a birthday party and they were stressed to the hilt doing it? Would you be blessed by that? Be like, no, seriously, let's let's just go out for dinner. I mean, let's not stress about the whole birthday thing. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't stress about this. I mean, whose expectations are you trying to live up to? Is it your neighbors that you don't even like? (laughs) Of course you all love your neighbors, but you know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? I just want to release you from that hook, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're off the hook. And if you're a person who's putting those expectations on someone, for example, well, my mother always used to defense on me. Just shut up. <laughs> okay? Don't do that. To, do not lay that burden on anybody. Okay? If you don't, if you don't feel like doing something, I mean, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not condoning laziness. Okay, and you want to provide a good atmosphere for your children, but don't set this standard for yourself so high that you're freaked out and stressed all Christmas. It's exactly the opposite of what Jesus said he came to do. He's a prince of peace. He's not the prince of stress. Okay? Or the prince of Prozac. (laughs) I don't know. Um, He's the prince of peace, and he wants us to have peace. In the midst of all of this 
uh, you know, you've got to have the lights up and you're on a train and I'm baking, you know. Release it. Can you just breathe in his peace? Breathe out stress. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You know, here it says in Luke 2, suddenly there was with this one angel that came and made this pronouncement, a multitude, which means a lot of angels, like an army of angels praising God. Let's say this together. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God wants to take our praise and turn it to peace. Here's one of my favorite passages, Psalm 29, 11. It says, may the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Peace. May the Lord, let's, why don't you say this together? May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Going back, may the Lord give strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It all works together. Give strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Isn't peace a gift? Isn't that what we're all yearning for? Doesn't every human heart cry out for peace? And doesn't it go so contrary to the message of the world? Everything in the world is contrary to the message of peace. I've started a new habit now that it's gotten colder and I can't go out and walk and listen to the Bible. I've started sitting in this chair. I just put my little fireplace on and I just sit in the chair and I don't have any music on. And I don't have any noise. I just sit in his presence. And I am telling you, it changes everything. I just sit there and allow him to just speak to me. Take the time. I mean, I know it's so easy. You want to sleep those extra 15 minutes or whatever, and you hit the ground running, and you... Take the time to just sit and breathe in peace and breathe out strife. He wants to turn our weakness and our failings and our shortcomings to peace. And as you just let him speak that to you, to encourage you that he is for you, that he is not against you, he loves you and he wants to bless you. Breathe it in. Would you stand, please? I want to. This is one of my favorite passages. You know, I was raised going to a Lutheran church, and one of the things that they did that I absolutely love is they end the service, at least the one I grew up in, we ended the service with this blessing. Now, again, back to what I said earlier if we truly believe that the Word of God is transformative and that the Word of God is living and active, and that the word of God has the power to change our lives, then this particular passage is something that I want you to receive 
from the Lord. I want, to re- I want you to receive this as a gift. This is your Christmas present from Jesus. Okay? And if you wouldn't mind, just hold your hands out like this as a symbol that you want to receive whatever he has for you. So I say this to you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face upon you and give you peace. Father, we come before you, Lord. We want to receive this, Lord. We want to be blessed. We want your protection, Lord. God, we want you to look on us with your favor. Give us a sign of your favor, O Lord, that we can see and our enemies can be put to shame, Lord, because you, O God, have helped and comforted us. Thank you, Lord. God, we just just want to offer you this gift of our hearts, Lord, as we receive the gift from you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of your peace, We thank you for the hope that is in you, and we thank you for the joy, the unspeakable joy that only you can bring. We bless you, and we thank you in Jesus' name.